<coughs> Don't uh, breathe really sharply when you're wearing a mask outdoors. That was among the sillier things. That <coughs> ah, here at the Ruminant Show, we strive for pre- <coughs> ah, profession. <coughs> ah, how are you going? Ah, I'm going for a bit of my sort of, what would you call this, my mandated... Um, Evening socially distant COVID lockdown exercise regime, which is my fancy way of saying going for a walk late at night. I've actually always really enjoyed walking late at night. When I was studying in Adelaide, back in my uh, uni days, I used to um, walk around in the evening a lot. It was strange. So, unis in, in Australia, I think, by and large, are quite different from the experience that. Um, I know most of you are American who listen to this. Um, you have this kind of idea of this idyllic university, or I guess you'd call it like a college campus. Um, I don't know, it's ve- just a very different vibe here. I think we're probably much closer to what how the UK does it. But then randomly in Adelaide, there was this... Um, I went to UniSA, which is the, the aptly and, and very creatively named University of South Australia. I was there for a couple of years doing a, 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 a... It would shock you to learn that it was a computer science degree. <clears throat> uh, before some delightful family stuff meant, meant that I had to uh, suspend my studies. And not only that, because I suspended my studies for family reasons for more than three years, when we finally moved back to Australia again and I started studying again at Sydney, uh, at the University of Technology in, uh, in Sydney, another name of a place I'm sure just super surprises you because it was more than three years since I had last studied and because I hadn't technically got a a leave of absence or anything I kind of just dropped everything and just left Um, I had to start again so I have uh, I ended up studying five and a half years for a three-year degree Oh, we have fun. But no, the the UniSA campus was beautiful. I had a few different campuses around town. So the one in, in the center of town was mostly for law, economics, um, that sort of thing. I think medicine as well. And then the Mawson Lakes campus, which is about 10 k's north of the center of Adelaide, which you're by Adelaide standards, you're almost in, a, in rural sort of country areas at that point. Whereas in Sydney, you'd still very much be in the centre of town kind of thing. Which I wonder how far... Isn't Chatswood about 10k from Sydney, give or take? Maybe a bit more? Yeah, the, the Mawson Lakes campus of UniSA was beautiful. And it was, I think, very much done in that sort of style of the American-style college. So there was this big open area in the middle of the campus... And then buildings were sort of around it, and there was the big main building at the front. So it wasn't done in sort of neo-Greek classical style with columns or anything. But it just, yeah, just the, uh, the vibe and the, the feel of it was very, I, I felt was like a very sort of, a bit utilitarian in design, but it kind of felt like a, a sort of an American-style college. And then you had the student housing not that far from there. And yeah, sometimes of an evening, I just sort of go for a bit of a wander. With hindsight, I kind of think, wow, I I really used to wander a lot of distances late at night by myself. Um, 
probably, it probably wasn't the smartest thing that I ever did. But yeah, I got a lot of thinking done and a lot of sort of early podcast listening uh, done. That, yeah, that was, a, that was a rough time. Um, I think globally, I think we're all sort of doing quite a bit worse now. <laughs> but uh, no, it's interesting. Like it's, um, we, all, we all have times in our lives where we think, eh, that wasn't that great, was it? Anyway, I hope you're uh, doing well. I would ask you how you're doing as a question, but that would be a bit silly because you can't uh, directly answer in my... Oh, I'm still... I'm still just so amazed that I tried to inhale sharply to introduce this while I'm wearing a mask. That was among the sillier things I've ever done. (sighs) We're into how many months now of lockdown in Sydney? Um, The... Delta wave hit us like a ton of bricks, and uh, yeah, we had we'd all but eradicated it here. And then a, an aeroplane arrived with some people on board, and I guess I think it was a guy who was transporting some of the the crew to their quarantine hotel thing, who hadn't been vaccinated and uh, therefore spread it to other people. It, it kind of sucks. <laughs> it's <clears throat> we're not going to lie. Claire and I actually have our second dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine in, um, in a few days, actually. So this coming Friday, we're going to get the, the second one. i tell you what, um, I maybe empathize is too strong a term, but I can kind of see where some of those anti-vax, uh, I, I want to be, be nice about it. That's good. Idiots. <laughs> the anti-vax idiots who say that this is all a conspiracy, etc. Um, I can kind of see their point of view when you look at the side effects of these things. I, I, had the, I had my first shot of the AstraZeneca vaccine about six weeks ago. And just in that 24-hour period, immediately after having that, I have never, I don't think I've ever felt more sick in my life. I was just constantly cycling between, I think Katy Perry did a song about this, it's just really hot and really cold and then really hot and then really cold. And, you know, I've had flus and things before. I've had bad colds where you sort of, your temperature yo-yos all over the place. I was in less than a sheet. Okay, I had to, I couldn't have any clothes on. It was just a sheet and I was just stiflingly hot. We had the air conditioning on how cold. I, I really felt sorry for Clara. And then within the space of 10 minutes, I had to have blankets on and and quilts and covers and all kinds of things and just shivering, teeth chatteringly cold. I haven't been that cold since um, some... Actually, it was a funny story. We were... Last time my um, folks and I went to... um, We had sort of, I guess, the last... One of the last family holidays that we had as as a complete family unit. So I guess that would have been, what, 10 years ago or something? Um, we went to Europe because of my... I think we, we, yeah, we had a family friend who was turning 60 at the time. Wow, so he'd be turning 70 now. That's crazy. I, uh, that just blows my mind. He's one of these awful people who looks a lot younger than he actually is. As you will get to... Put a pin in that. I'll get back to that in a second. Um, yeah, and so he was uh, you know, being a, a family friend of my dad. So naturally he was from Germany. So we were in... Um, Munich for a couple of weeks. Now, I have to say, 
I think people have this impression, this idealized view of how pretty Paris is. It's this, the city of love, it's got the Louvre, it's got the Eiffel Tower, it's got baguettes. It's got uh, Charlotte from Infinite Stratus. It's got all of these important uh, sort of very, um, uh, very sort of picturesque, very idyllic view of this European city. It's, it's kind of dirty. <laughs> I won't lie. It's kind of, it's, it's a lot closer, I guess, to New York. So it's a, it's a very old city. Um, the, the public transport is incredible, but it's also filthy. <laughs> Um, my sister and I used to joke that um, for years afterwards we'd walk past an open sewer somewhere and we'd smell sort of that nasty brew of stuff coming up and we'd say, oh, it's the Paris Metro. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Whereas Munich, I think, is actually much closer to what people have this impression of that, that sort of picturesque European city. Like, it is just gorgeous. And especially if you go there at Christmas time, because Yule, right, the, the, um, a certain specific religion kind of stole that pagan tradition from, the, uh, from people who celebrated Yule, the winter harvest stuff. So all of the, that idyllic imagery of reindeer and um, Christmas trees, like pine trees that are decorated with lights and things, all came from there originally. It's just so pretty. Actually, one of, one of my treasured memories is uh, sitting there with my family at a if at a Starbucks, if you can believe, but because um, it was it was uh, it was late at night and we just got there and we just kind of wanted somewhere to have a, a hot chocolate, and so we're sitting there at this Starbucks as they were closing, um, looking out this sort of frosted window and it's just blisteringly cold. Having a having a uh, one of those um, oh what was it Starbucks had this brief drink that they only did in Europe and North America for a couple of years. I remember Frank from the Overnight's kept talking about it. Um, oh, what was it? The Chantico, that's it. Sh the Chantigo. It was this very specific hot chocolate drink and it sold really well, but they had to take it off the market because apparently people were just getting it really overweight and sick. And it wasn't until afterwards that they realized that each one of these drinks, they had sort of advertised it as a hot chocolate, but it was really basically a liquid cake. Like it was just, it was gooey and rich and sweet. And at, for my sort of, in my early 20s, I thought exceedingly delicious. I think if I drank it now, I'd, I'd want to be sick. But, uh, oh, it was, yeah, it was good. So it's just sitting there on these big couches late at night in Munich, watching the, the sort of the snow land on all of these just jaw-droppingly beautiful decorations and things in the center of the, the square there. Oh. Yeah, I miss that a lot. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, it, the reason I brought that up is that there was this one sort of fateful day which has kind of become family folklore where um, I miscalculated how many layers of clothing I needed to wear. So when we went to Paris for New Year's because we thought that'd be cool, um, to see the fireworks off the Eiffel Tower. That's going to be great. And we went there, and we, we went, five, four, three, two, one, and the Eiffel Tower changed into a different colour, and that's it. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so it's, uh, all right, I guess let's, let's, let's go back to the apartment now. Oh, so that's a downer. But yeah, I, I way miscalculated how many layers I need to have. So I was so 
cold. I was in I was in two layers, and I was just my teeth were chattering, my legs were shaking. <laughs> but I could tell when we got back because my jaw hurt because I was clenching it so much. Oh, so cold. Anyway, so long story short, I kind of got into this habit where um, uh, for that sort of 24 hours after that um, vaccination, I was just so cold and then just boiling hot and then really cold again and just kept going and going and going and sort of lying in bed. And I couldn't lie, I couldn't lie down. I had to lie upright because if I lay down... I couldn't breathe and stuff. It was war. They were actually saying that if your symptoms got extreme enough, you had to um, check yourself into hospital and stuff. So I, I, I sort of was borderline there. But within sort of 48 hours, I was pretty much fine again. So it sucked because uh, I got it done on a Monday because I'm an idiot. And so the, um, I basically had to take two days of um, leave off, uh, off work to be able to recover from that. So this one I specifically got on Friday so I can sort of take the time on the weekend to sort of recover and not um, impact too many things. Yeah, so it's, a, it's kind of a sort of a late evening here. I'm just going for a, a bit of a, a stroll. I feel like I've already said this. I wanted to talk about something a bit esoteric and weird. I know you'll, that, that'll be very surprising to you. I wanted to talk about microwaves. Have you used one of these things before? So if, if you haven't used one of these things before, a, a microwave, it, it's basically like a... Oh, how would you describe it? It's kind of like a... Um, oh, was it that Futurama episode where he's trying to talk about a microwave? No, what you want is this oven, and it's even got a, uh, a, uh, a water tray at the bottom to keep, the, uh, to keep your wife's feet warm, uh, cool while they're cooking because they're going to be standing in front of this thing a lot. Am I right, sir? <laughs> Leela punches him in the face. Oh, so good. But yeah, a, a microwave is essentially a little cupboard that you put things in and it make it make it go hot. And I feel like, as with so many things, the we really hit our stride in the 80s in the design of these things. And then I think we all kind of just gave up and everything that's been made since has been rubbish. Um, it's, it happened to hi-fi gear, it happened to the quality of computer parts, and uh, now it's happening to uh, kitchen appliances and things. Oh, one thing that I've, I've noticed about microwaves, it's, it's the little things. It's, it's the little design touches that you can tell whether something was made um, without much thought into how it was going to be used um, versus sort of just making sure that they get it out as quickly as possible. So case in point, imagine that you're cooking something in one of these newfangled microwave contraptions, presumably some sort of a comestible, and you're... <laughs> comestible. You've put it into this thing, and you've set the timer for 30 seconds, and you think, okay, great, 30 seconds, that's enough time for me to, oh, I don't know, boil the kettle, or, or sneeze, or go and do something else, maybe flip a record over, or open a window, or do something. So you kind of go off and do something else. And that 30 seconds elapses. Now, what happens when you've finished cooking something in one of these things? If you're really good, if you've got really great reflexes, what you can do 
is you can rush back to the microwave and you can press the button on it before it finishes. And in fact, one of the, the most ninja moves that you can do in the history of time is if you've set a timer for 30 seconds and you rush over and you press the stop button on the microwave at the 29th second, you are a boss. You have, you, you have leveled yourself up to a higher being. And even more, the, the effect increases the longer that you cook something for. If you've got some big roast or something in there that's going for five minutes, like a really big reheating job, like a, or like a massive pizza or something, if that five minutes elapses and you get there at four minutes and 59 seconds and press that button before it's had a chance to beep, I mean, I'd, I'm not sure how... I, I'm not sure what else you could do to top that. I mean, you have reached the pinnacle of genius. That's just amazing. Maybe I just have very low standards. But now, sort of think to yourself, why is it that you get such a rush from doing that, other than the fact that it makes you a legend, right? The other reason that you might do that is, what happens when a microwave finishes cooking something? It makes a beeping noise, right? So when you put something in for 30 seconds, that 30 seconds elapses and it goes beep, beep, beep. This is me trying to be a microwave. It beeps really obnoxiously. And because we've, we're using cheap components now, it's probably just some crappy PC speaker thing from um, the 70s still. Like we haven't improved upon that. It's just a, it's just a basic IC that's going beep, beep, like really loudly. It's obnoxious. You would think that um, today it would play a, a symphony of some sort or, or it would be a, a very pleasant English chap saying, your food is ready, sir. I say, gum, a gentleman's gentleman. That's a, that's a P.G. Woodhouse reference. Um, so, you, yeah, you would have a... You would just have a really pleasant sound. But no, we're stuck with this really obnoxious beep noise, kind of like those Tangara-era trains in Sydney when they... The doors open on some of them and it goes, BEEP! Like, calm down. It's okay, we can tell the doors are opening on account of them opening. It's fine. So this could present a challenge if you're living in a studio apartment or in the case of Clara me now. Um, sorry, Clara and I, excuse me, grammar. That, oh, that was always one thing. My mum said, gotten isn't a word, don't use it. You don't ever say, there was something else you always used to say that you shouldn't do. Shouldn't start a sentence with so, that's just cringe. And don't ever just do what I just did just then. Wow, that's very descriptive. <laughs> that's very, uh, that, that is advice you can take to the bank. In the process of telling you that anecdote, I already forgot what it was. It's a very pleasant evening out here. Well, what, what the hell was I just talking about? Oh... Uh, it's it's quite cold out here and I'm going for a bit of a walk. It's, it's a bit of an exercise. Um, and that hot chocolate in Munich and microwaves and doors and cooking. Oh, yes, so studio apartments. And and saying me instead of I. That's the other one. It's not Clara and me, it's Clara and I. An I for an I? An I for me? A me for I? Me for I. Me for I sounds like a really bad James Bond villain. Me for... 
I think my head's starting to melt and come out of my ears, which is weird because you would think it'd be frozen in this weather. Maybe it's been in the microwave too long. That's <coughs> how uh, it's cold out here. So yeah, you have this microwave making this obnoxious sound late at night or very early in the morning. And the fear is that if it beeps too loudly, you might wake someone up. So with that as your motivation, you are very motivated to press the button on that microwave to stop it beeping. Um, Or to, I guess, stop it before it starts. So if you've had it in for 30 seconds, then it goes in for 29 seconds. You hit the button before it goes beep, beep, beep. And then you avoid that whole noise. Well, say, for example, you're not uh, channeling Nicolas Cage at that point in time. I don't know why him specifically. I I saw that clip of him where he went into a a talk show and he's jumping around and doing cartwheels and things. And I think any time I think that Nick Cage couldn't get any more awesome, he does. He's great. If, uh, if his microwave is making a loud beeping sound and people would say, what are you doing? He would say, oh, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. And then he'd just walk out of the kitchen. He would drop the microwave on the floor, smash into a million pieces, and he'd just walk out without saying a word. Oh, boss I'm pretty sure he would do, he wouldn't do that actually yeah you want to be careful not to drop a microwave from a certain height because a it would probably fall on your foot and b it would probably smash glass out of it and you'd get injured funny story about that when I was a um a stupid teenager rather than a stupid 30 something I indeed actually dropped a desktop computer case on my foot uh, with my sister and my dad as witnesses I'm sure you can call them up right now to confirm this and my big toe got really swollen. And something else happened which was just so incredibly disgusting. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you about it. And I had to go to hospital and yeah, totally fine now other than minor nerve damage. But um, which means I can't really feel in that toe as much as I should be able to, especially when you compare it to the other one. But yeah, and something happened to the nail, I, I'll, I'll avoid I'll avoid going into detail about that. Nick Cage dropping microwaves. I'm sure someone's done a, um, a meme about that. Has, has Nick Cage ever been in... Uh, I think he has been in every meme that's ever existed. And I wouldn't want it any other way. Just thinking about that Frank Sinatra song. How he did it his way. I'm sure, I'm sure Nick Cage has been photoshopped on that as well. Anyway, if you'll stop interrupting me. Um, if you can't hit the, uh, the microwave after that 30 seconds in time, it makes that really loud, horrible beeping noise. This is the prime example of user interface design that just hasn't been tested. Well, in fact, if you want an example of that, use any website made in the last 10 years uh, without an ad or content blocker and see how, see how long you last. But leaving that aside, if you use one of these microwave contraptions, If you press the button on that after 30 seconds, oh, I'm not sure if you can hear that, but there's a a truck up there that's reversing and it's making a beeping sound. This is very illustrative of my point here. Although I, I think somehow that's much less obnoxious than the microwave beep that we have. If you press the button to open the microwave door, you would expect that the beeping would stop because why does a microwave beep? A microwave is beeping to tell you 
that it's finished cooking. That's the reason that it does it. There's no other reason for it to do that other than to say, hey, hey, look at me, I'm done. Hey, did you notice I'm done? Hey, hey, the food that's in here is done. Hey, hey, did you know? Hey, hey, Ruben, come over here. Hey, hey, beep, 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 beep. Hey, hey, check me out. Hey, hey, hello, hello, I'm here. Hey, hey, yeah, I can see you. Hello, hello. It's like, Jesus, okay, I'm coming over for fuck's sake. <sighs> I'm not triggered by this, I, I assure you. So you lunge for the microwave because it's early in the morning and you don't want to wake up your partner who doesn't have a meeting for another couple of hours. When I open the door of the, of the microwave that we have, it's, I think it's a Breville unit thing. When you open it up, it keeps beeping. Someone in their design department, doing a big flowchart about how all this stuff is supposed to work, decided that if you open the door of a microwave, which is indicating to the microwave, I am aware that you have finished cooking. You have beeped, you have let me know, I have now gone over to you, I have opened the door, I have signaled that I understand that you have finished cooking. There is no reason for you to keep beeping, and yet, it still does. I think it beeps ten times to indicate that something's finished, and it will keep doing it, it will continue to beep after you've opened the door. Now this is just, to me, this is just the most basic of design affordances. If I have opened the door of a microwave because I, I, I know the food's done, it's finished, it's all, it's, all, it's, all, it's all steamy and hot and fresh and whatever, and I want to open it up like a gentleman and have my burrito or my porridge or my tea that I've reheated, which you should never do because it makes it taste like awful rubbish. If you open the microwave door and it keeps beeping, you have failed as a designer. What that should do is, as soon as you open the door, the beeping should stop because it has served its function. You do not need to keep beeping. It would be like a car with an alarm that activates if someone bumps your car and just keeps going for hours and hours and hours. We've all been in a situation where we've heard that. And then if you're the unwitting, hapless driver of this vehicle, it would be akin to you opening the door of your car, climbing in, and the alarm continuing for another 20 minutes. You don't need to do this. Ah, oh, it just, it, it bugs me incessantly that just a little thing like that, and it just keeps going. Now, I think we used to have a sharp microwave at our old apartment. When we moved into this one, it came with a microwave and um, it was all brand new and the owner said, oh, look at this, it's, uh, it's got a brand new microwave, yay. And we sort of looked at it and went, uh, yay, uh, can we get rid of it and put ours there instead? But yeah, I ended up um, uh, giving it to a co-worker to use instead in his new uh, place. So we, we are using the built-in one that's in this apartment. Oh, it's rubbish. It's so bad. Aside from the fact that it takes 10 minutes longer. It's also one of these weird microwaves that doesn't have a rotating dish at the bottom. It claims to use magnetic fields and various other voodoo magic stuff. So it's just got a flat tray in the bottom without the spinny dish thing. And, yeah, I mean, it doesn't work. You put stuff in there, you take it out, the edges are burnt and the middle is still frozen. Like, it's, it's not... It's not doing anything magic to help with that. I've still got to go in and, and mix it. Another reason why I really like um, 
um, air fries is that you get such a better result with only maybe three times the cooking time, if that. So if it takes three minutes to cook something, put it in the air fryer for 10 minutes, it'll taste 10 times better. <sighs> and then the final thing that I think microwaves should uh, have a bit of a, a, a mix-up. Oh, mix-up! <coughs> So, you know, mix it up a bit. They need to do away with all these function buttons. You know when you get a microwave and there's this big wall of buttons on it and it will say, uh, there'll be a one to nine and it will say the strength, I give you a full, half or low microwave strength. And then it will have all these other options. Defrosting, turkey, uh, uh, blanking on these, uh, steak, <laughs> I don't know. Potatoes, vegetables, fruit. I don't, I don't know too many fruit that you'd be microwaving. They have all these presets and things, and you, you press the chicken button, and then you specify if it's defrosted or not, and then you, you specify a time, and it, it, it calculates the optimal amount of cooking time based on how heavy the bird is and blah, blah, blah. Microwave manufacturers, I, I, I'm just talking with you now. I'm looking at you. You know, We're sitting here at a fancy Starbucks in Germany late at night with the snow coming down on a beautiful Christmas decoration. We're in these comfy, squishy chairs. You and I just sitting here, person to person, no filter, just having this discussion. And I'm looking at you and I said, manufacturer, believe me when I say this, I haven't been more truthful about anything else in my life. So just, and he, he sort of says, okay, and he leans over, looks at me and I lean over to him and I say, Nobody uses those functions. You don't need them. You can get rid of them. The front of the microwave, all you need are the buttons to indicate the time and the buttons to indicate how strong you want the microwave to, to operate, whether you want to run it, if it's a thousand watts, if it's 500 watts, if it's half, if it's a quarter, whatever. That's it. None of the other buttons need to be there. Oh, but you know, it's, it's specified, so there's a defrost for that. No, no, you're not listening to me. I know you thought this was a great idea. You could add all these millions of extra functions and programmable things and a, uh, a user manual, the width of a phone book that comes with this thing to explain how it all works. I j just being candid honest with you, nobody uses these things. When I say nobody, I'm embellishing a bit. I know there are a couple of people out there in the known universe who probably use it. Just like I'm sure there are a couple of people who smash microwaves over their heads for entertainment. Doesn't mean we should take them seriously. The point is, no rational human being in the 21st century, let alone the previous one, has ever used these functions. You don't need them, it's fine. Get rid of them. It would simplify the UI tremendously. Maybe a couple of physical sort of switches underneath that membrane so it's still easy to clean. That would be fantastic too. None of this squishy, horrible mess of stuff that you've got at the moment where you're kind of vaguely pressing on a panel and sometimes it activates and sometimes it feels like it doesn't. You've got to press it hard or not at all. And, and enough of these gimmick things that give, give us back a thing that turns. Like, yes, it, it causes a bit of a mess when uh, something explodes and we need to clean it up. But that's fine. That's part of the experience. It doesn't need all of this other fancy stuff. It doesn't need this fancy plate thing so to avoid needing something spinning in the bottom of it. It uses magnetic something or other. It's like, no, it's fine. Just get back to it. It's fine. 
I think if we do all of that, I think we'd have a better microwave. Oh, look at that. 20 minutes into this thing, and all I did was talk about this appliance. And then, not only all of that, but I, I then sort of, pre sort of screwed it up halfway through by reminding everyone that, that uh, air fries exist. And they're much better. People sort of say that. They're like, oh, what's the point of an air fryer? It's just a small oven. I know I've talked about this many times as well. Yes, it's a small oven. That's what makes it awesome. It uses a fraction of the power, and because the cavity of the... Uh, heavens. The ca <laughs> because the cavity of the air fryer is so much smaller, it cooks things a lot faster because there's physically less air and space to heat up. This is a good thing. And yes, if it happens to have a bit of oil in it, it'll kind of, sort of, fry it, kind of. Don't think of it as an air fryer. It's a big oven. A small... <laughs> it's a small oven. Oh. An awful lot of vans driving around here that say natural gas on the side. Should I be worried? 